0: Said once, uh, as at the public defender's office, I had my very first ever jury trial, and I lost, and it was I was miserable. And I got back to the office, and one of my coworkers said, "You're not going to believe this. Robin Williams died today." And I said, "That's the best fucking news I've heard all day." And she never forgave me. That's really awful. I uh, justice was denied that day. I had no time for celebrity deaths. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right.
1: You know, that was the first, that was like the, you know, it had been like, you know, celebrities die all the time, because people die all the this time. This
0: is the Big Bang Theory. Hi, I'm Nick.
1: Hi, I'm Kyle. Continue. I was just saying, that was the first, that was like one of the first ones I ever remember being really bummed or affected by in my, like, whole lifetime. I was like, oh yeah, no, that's a legitimate, like, piece of my childhood gone. So what we do Not on that the he show. had made a, a movie that I had actually, like, thought was funny or enjoyed in ten years by that point, but you know... I thought he had another one in him somewhere. So,
0: okay, first of all, this is a podcast where we watch The Big Bang Theory, we talk about it and why it's a ridiculous and awful show that we don't understand what people like. That's in the past. That's how I would normally introduce the show. Today, we talk about our feelings about Robin Williams. A couple days before he died, I watched The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. He plays the king of the moon. It's the worst. I, I can't... It was in my heart. There was a darkness, all right? And I... I'm not going to deny that I felt that way. I'm not going to deny that I still feel that way sometimes. It's a grating man. A, a wonderful, humorous man who brought joy to the world and is well-respected in all circles. And boy, if a kid he could just fucking tone it down a notch.
1: There. All right. Now that you've... Yeah, I'm sure that's a good... You know, it's it's like... That was definitely what the genie needed was to be less of a cartoon character. You're right. Yeah,
0: the, you know... The genie. The thing about why it works is because he is literally a cartoon character. Robin Williams, the person living among the rest of us humans, was a bit much. I think I, I don't need to be walking around the streets and having someone come up and be like, "Hey, how's it going? What are you up to? You're like Porky Pig. How about check this out? <laughs> Porky Pig. I don't know what the voice is, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Oh, here's a couple of puns you're going to like. And I'm like, fucking dude. I'm just trying to eat a sandwich. Let me eat my sandwich. I ah, oh, I really liked you in Mrs. Doubtfire. Probably, it's been a long time since I've seen yeah. that movie, Let's but see. it doesn't hold up.
1: <laughs> no, no, oh, well, I'm, I saw it fairly recently. I thought he was still fine. I think, like, two Christmases ago, I did, like, Mrs. Doubtfire in the Birdcage back-to-back, and he was pretty good in both of those. I mean, Nathan Lane steals the show in the Birdcage, but...
0: Yeah. Boy, this episode we watched must have been real, but if we're... <laughs> We're moving on to our feelings about the birdcage already.
1: I will say it could have used more Robin Williams in it, but obviously not. That's only that's only the opinion of 50% of this podcast that feels like...
0: Hey, no, I'm not going to disagree. If Robin Williams showed up in this episode, that would have been great.
1: What would he have done? How could we have fit Robin Williams into this episode? Give us the summary and then we'll he's, figure it out.
0: He's Wallowitz's dad. Oh, shit. And you see that he is... Even more the horn dog. Just over-the-top, gross, like, kind of, like, upsettingly kind of gropey with Penny. And Wallowitz like, admires his dad. But now that he's older, it's been a long time since they've seen each other. His dad's been living in Barbados. Uh, now he's back. And so Wallowitz just has to kind of live with this. And he's like, I used to look up to you. But now that I see you're actually kind of weird and gross. And then his dad has to have a real heart-to-heart with him. He's like, things aren't going that great. You know, I... I've been having a good time on the islands and whatever, but I'm so alone. I'm just... Oh, my money just goes to blow, and then the blow pays for the ladies, and the ladies, they come and
1: they go. It's, it's pretty cool, but I'm just so alone. I'm so alone, my son. That wouldn't actually be out of... I mean, there are a lot of sitcoms where they bring in some celebrity actor to be someone's dad, and he almost always turns out to be a jerkass in the episode. Like, one of John Ritter's very last TV cameos was this, like, J.D.'s dad on... Uh, scrubs, and he was just this sad door-to-door salesman. But even better, this is going to blow your mind, S- still refuse to talk about the episode. There was an episode of Boy Meets World, oh, Jesus a show Christ. I know you never
0: watched. No, I've seen my fair share of Boy Meets okay, World. Okay, so you, who's
1: the lead actor on that show, is? Uh, is, his name is Corey, but the actor is something savage. Ben Savage? Rand- and- no, Randy Savage. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah I, think I, it's I think Ben Savage, ben savage is... Uh, Oh, sure there's also a, a something Savage who's like a a gay podcaster of some renown that I don't Dan wanna, Savage. Dan Savage, okay? I didn't want to get those two he,
0: confused. And the character who plays uh his best friend in that show, Sean, yes. his real name is Ryder Strong. That's which pretty good. I can't ever forget.
1: Anyway, I only so uh Ben Savage's older brother is Fred Savage, famously of the Wonder Years. So they're brothers, right? And he was also in that movie with the, where Harry Mandel was the imaginary monster friend. Why is this important? Because, Little Monsters? Yes. All right. Because Fred Savage appears in exactly one episode of Boy Meets World and is the episode where he is a professor at the college where they all go to college after they moved in like a year and a half from being in high school, and he sexually harasses to, the character of Topanga. So badly that she files the complaint and the entire episode becomes like a very special episode about, you know, what to do when one of your professors is using his authority to make you deeply uncomfortable. And that was like the cameo. It's like <laughs> they gave that character. Wrap your head around that. Oh, I'm trying.
0: <laughs> we need to get to this episode, Kyle. Like I I could think about the poor Topanga and, and talk about that for 45 minutes. We really have to pretend that we're at least going to do the job we came here to do. Um, I don't know why. Should we do a quick episode summary, I suppose? That's usually my thing. Sure. This one was really slanted, though. Like, it wasn't really an A plot and a B plot so much as it was an A plot, and then we don't know what to do with Wolowitz. Um So, the episode starts basically with the gang learning that Raj is going to get deported. And at first, everyone's confused about why that might be. Uh, Raj does a terrible job explaining it until finally he reveals that he's basically not been doing any meaningful work for at least six months and his funding's going to get cut. And when his funding gets cut, his work visa no longer applies and he's going to get sent back home, which he doesn't want to go to because it's hot and loud and there's too many people. Well, whoa, that's a funny thing. If you're like us and live in Los Angeles, that's a joke that came and went in that show. And uh, that's kind of the whole thing is him trying to get a job. He... Uh, applies for another department. Uh, unfortunately, one of the women, on, one of the people on the team is a woman and he can't handle talking to her sober. So he has one drink and is cool and is able to explain his research, has another drink and immediately sexually harasses her. Uh, and so the last resort he has is to get a job with Sheldon uh, or working for Sheldon. They get together, they do some research. There's a couple of Eye of the Tiger montages. It's fine. The sort of B plot is uh, while Sheldon is away, Leonard and Penny are going at it like rabbits. But Wallowitz used to hang out with Raj all the time, and so he's just kind of around. And so Penny and uh, Leonard are trying to weigh the value of their lust versus the value of having Wallowitz in their lives, and they really make the wrong choice. And they they start they cater to him. They're like, "You can hang out with us, buddy," which is the no. He needs to get his own life, and that's kind of. The whole episode. What am I missing? Am I missing anything significant?
1: No, except I think it's just – it was a weird one in how it was – it was just weirdly paced for an episode of The Big Bang Theory in that the plot actually keeps advancing much further than you think it's going to go. Like for the amount of stuff that normally happens in an episode, this one like runs through like a whole gamut because it's like Raj is being deported. So then you're like, oh, this is just an episode about Raj – being deported, haha, but that's like, oh no, Raj is going to get a new job, so he has to convince the new professor. So you think that's what the episode's all about. Then it turns out, no, the episode is about him working with Sheldon the whole time. So it's like, it just cycles through a bunch of things and never really settles on any of them. But it's fine. I'm not really complaining about it. It actually felt briskly paced compared to most episodes of The Big Bang Theory. It's just that... A, because it didn't like linger like it normally does on any particular point. It's just like a very disjointed episode in that sense.
0: Well, and it's it's weird also to think that how the, the focus shifts from the deportation so much when that is by far the most significant thing that has come up on the show so far. Oh, yeah. Like every the, – the most significant consequence that anyone could have suffered up until this point is they might not get to finger somebody. And now that their, their their friend, who they they love and have been working with for however long, is going to be deported from the country, and Penny and Leonard are like, man, how much should we be boning? Uh and that's that's where their their focus is. They're all bad friends, all of them. Sheldon, I used to like him. I still like his his clever pranks he pulls, his his practical jokes, but I don't know. How are you feeling about this one, Kyle?
1: I mean, on the one hand. I liked several things in it, uh, but there was no um, – There was a fair amount of racism in this one. Well, yeah. Yeah, lots of that. Lots of – it was almost like some – it was like I remember like the Carlos Mencia style of stand-up where you would get up on stage and you would basically make fun of your own culture in front of you know white people. It's like, here's how funny. I know you think Mexicans are. Here's a bunch of jokes that reaffirm all of your cultural stereotypes about Mexicans. And that, like, passed for humor Mm. for way too long. There's a lot of that with Raj in this episode about, you know, all of the things that suck about living in India.
0: Yeah, like, he uh, has something in there about, like, oh, you know, I'll have to go back home and, like, live with my brother Kumar. Or, as you may know him, Dave from AT&T Customer Service. And it's like, we fucking get it, guy. Like, you're doing the joke that's been on a thousand times and it's been shitty all other thousand. We don't need to hear it again, Yeah. You even get into the
1: whole worshipping cows thing.
0: Oh, right. And then (laughs) Sheldon has the gall to uh, lecture uh, Raj on his own culture by telling him what the actual relationship between Hindus and cows is. And you know what? I don't actually know who's correct about it. But I felt uh, uncomfortable. I'm sure the
1: writers don't either.
0: I felt uncomfortable just being there in that moment of judgment, though. Not sure knowing whether to side with the guy who might have all of his facts straight to the person whose culture is being attacked it a difficult time for me as a filthy social justice warrior.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that going around in this show. Um, I mean, it does make – I guess it's – it is sort of interesting to have a character who's not, like, Jewish or Christian whose whole thing is I don't understand how – because that's actually pretty normal – because my first hand was like, well, no, he should know how his own religion works. But then I was like, no, nah, there are lots – I mean, I know plenty of people who are, like, raised, you know –
0: this reminds me of a thing. My friends, I think I've told you about this before. I had a friend uh, in college who was Catholic, and she would casually reference humping her boyfriend all the time, and i point out, like, isn't that a big no-no, seeing as how you're Catholic and sex before marriage? And her way of, like, reasoning out of it would be like, well, God knows that we love each other and that we're going to get married, so the sex that we're having right now is actually totally fine. Yes. that's uh,
1: like, 90% of it's butt stuff, and that doesn't count.
0: We never talked about specifically that whether there was butt stuff, but I think it's a fair assumption. <laughs> God's loophole and all of that, uh yeah, but th- there's a lot of ways you could get out of understanding your own religion, I suppose, like as an atheist, sometimes I still get angry at God, uh you know technically i don't I don't believe there is such a thing, but when I need something for my uh abstract anger to be focused at rather than the source of the problem, I would prefer to believe in some sort of being I could blame for all my issues that's that's nice and comforting for me.
1: It's interesting seeing Sheldon and Raj. Well, first off, it's interesting seeing Raj doing a job, so I did appreciate that about this episode, too, and it's like, oh yeah, Raj also works with them, and conceivably, you know, has expertise. Yeah, he's
0: actually thrown his weight around as an astrophysicist, in spite of, again, not knowing what astro means in this context, but blaming it on the language barrier
1: there. But then they also say English is his native language? Well, I think that, I mean, I think the point is that, I don't know if this is true, but I assume that in... It's like Trevor Noah says about South Africa is, you know, you learn English pretty... Yeah. Ah! It's a colonial state. That's all. It's... So they all speak right. English there. You know, like everybody in Haiti speaks French. Okay. Okay. I don't know why I got so defensive. I wasn't It's
0: like... You're freaking me out. I'm uncomfortable. Are you somehow related to suppression of Haitian or, like, Hindu languages? No. All right. <laughs> got my eye on you about it now, though. But what the hell were you talking about? Uh... Yeah. There's... Raj, like, in his expertise. Yes. I think – you remind me of one thing, which is uh, the rule about Raj needing to be drunk to talk to women. Yes. Completely falls they have... apart in this episode. Well, they
1: have a lot of fun with it, though. So I'm almost – no, it's I good, actually good. I appreciate it more when it's not carefully observed and when they fuck around with it like they do in this episode. Yeah, it's – so
0: Raj is applying to be – well, interviewing to be in another department. Do you remember which department? It wasn't
1: like ornithologists, was it? No, it was still it was still a it was still like astrophysics related. It was okay. just a different it was a different study. A so he had a he was and I think this is probably true when you're working in a in a big science college is you're you might have like a field and then you're pursuing one hyper specific thing in that field yeah. that you're like known for. Um, but then his thing was, turned out it was bunk and he had to do something else. So he was just trying to jump into like a different study, but it was still astrophysics.
0: Well, and while he's there interviewing, um, the interviewer, head of the department offers him a drink and Raj is like, it's really pretty early for that. Don't you think? And then they make goofy little jokes about like, Oh, actually it's five o'clock on Alpha Centauri. Yeah.
1: Five o'clock. It's, it's not too early on Alpha Centauri, which was the most charming I'm an alcoholic yes. astrophysicist joke I've ever heard. Like, if I, if someone said that, that would tell me everything I, know, I needed to know about them. It's like, oh, you're very smart. Also, you have a drinking problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's nice because this is where we can confirm for a moment that Raj might not have a drinking problem. Uh, no, but if anything,
1: I think – I would say he it, needs it, to build up a little more of a tolerance. Yeah, it,
0: it evaporates – that idea evaporates quickly because, uh, yeah, the – the head of the department says, well, let me introduce you to another one of our uh, your co-workers. And in comes this woman who's like, oh, hey, I've heard about your work. I was actually really impressed by such and such. And so Raj immediately slams a shot of their, their bourbon or brandy or whatever it was. Um, um, he's British, so they were drinking sherry. Fine.
1: Actually, I just realized I don't know
0: what sherry is. Do you know? Sherry, I think I most know it as a cooking
1: wine. <laughs> yeah, that's – I mean – it was in a brown, like, it looked like hard liquor. I'm
0: sticking with brandy on this one.
1: Maybe you're right. I could have sworn he said sherry, but...
0: Maybe you're right. Maybe that's know.
1: just, I'm just projecting British stereotypes onto him because he was Yeah, like, this
0: is a weird thing that I've never heard of. I can't say it's wrong, but it's new to me.
1: Okay. We'll yeah. say, we'll go back. It's obviously brown liquor, so... It's some sort of brown liquor. And, uh,
0: but the second he slams it, he's able to, like, spin around on the dot and be like, well, actually, my research has show and the blah, 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 blah. blah. And, uh, I guess to keep, keep himself going, he gets the second shot and he's like, and how would you like me to explain more of that to you in my hot tub? And, uh, then there's a HR complaint immediately filed.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, I do like basic, I mean, uh, so they're acknowledging that it's entirely psychological. Well, I guess it was always psychological. I mean, it's not like, it's not like kryptonite with Superman where there's like, he has a a malady. Or if, it's like a physiological thing. He's not allergic to attractive women.
0: If his whistle isn't wet, he just can't do it. He literally needs the alcohol in his throat. To... Well,
1: but yeah, but what I mean, even that is like a placebo effect. It has to be, right? No, 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 I'm way saying there's the... a
0: physiological issue where when he's in the presence of women, some sort of nerves in his throat tighten up and he's unable to speak. And then the, the stinging, burning sensation of the alcohol releases that and then he's able to do it. No placebo effect here at all. This is... The purest of science, the truest of facts.
1: But I do like, yes, I like how he goes from one drink, I'm charming, to two drinks, uh, oh, I'm I'm incredibly over the line in a professional setting. Wouldn't that I we mean, all had such
0: well calibrated? I mean, I've been in that situation, but not in over the course of ten seconds.
1: No, that's me either.
0: Yeah, I've got drunk way faster than I thought I would, but it's taken the time that alcohol takes to make things happen, Raja. Maybe this is where we learn that Raj actually has some sort of like next level mutant hyper-metabolism.
1: Yeah, that could be. A,
0: all right, this is our or, way of inching into the X-Men universe. Or
1: as I was saying, it's psychological because I also like my uh, my probably the one of the better meta jokes that they've ever done is they're all they're all discussing whether uh he's being de- how he's going to keep from being deported, but they made Penny leave the room so that he could talk with them about it, but she's right outside the door. So at one point she shouts a suggestion through the door, you know, and, and, and Raj turns and whispers to Wallowitz cause he's just realized Penny oh, is yes. hiding outside and Wallowitz turns back to him and goes, what are you asking me? I don't know if you can talk now. Yeah, that was,
0: uh, that's a good place I think to end the, the episode discussion on that one actually pretty good joke, unless there's anything else you wanted to, to get into.
1: Oh no, we already made it to, wow, we, way to burn up the time clock on that one. The only other thing I like, which you already is, basically the idea that uh, the physics, the uh, scientist equivalent of like a training montage, is just them staring at a whiteboard equation while "Eye of the Tiger" plays, and they do jump cuts. It was it was nice.
0: It was something that they played just a little too long, but I do appreciate that they did it at all. So hey, hats off to you, Big Bang Theory, for occasionally getting
1: it right. Anything else? Um. Yeah, they shouldn't have let Wallowitz stick around as long as they did. I don't think there's anything unreasonable. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's like one of the first things I feel like any new couple learns how to say, right? It's like, hey, I get that you're used to hanging around all the time because I'm a sad, lonely loser, but I'm having sex now, so you can't be around as much as you used to.
0: I think it's something that doesn't realistically happen, like, once you no longer live in a communal living situation. Like, once you're out of a house or dorms or anything where you live with friends— and people don't just run into your apartment willy-nilly while you're probably boning, that it just shouldn't happen at all. That there's any expectation at all that that behavior from Wallowitz would be okay is absurd. Yes. Like, when you're you're 19, you have to say, Hey, get out of here, I'm trying to fuck. When you're 25, you have to say, Get out of my house, stranger! Get out of my house! Who are you? And then you accidentally shoot your friend, because they didn't know that they were walking into your horny gun room. I'm from Montana, we have those. Yeah, of course you do. I guess we should start wrapping up. Find us on all of our social media. Who knows how that works? Not me. We're on Facebook. We're on iTunes. Rate and review us. That's the only call to action I'm going to give. Now we should get into our nerdy thing for the week. My, my happy nerd thing for the week is, I think it's already been out a week or two now, but I saw the new-ish film Crawl, which is all about gators tearing people up. And there's not really much more to say about it um other than that except that i do want to point out that it has i think one of my favorite features in a new horror movie which is competent people like i kind of want to make one and a half recommendations this week because crawl is great it's um it's just starts with a a woman on a swim team having a bad day a hurricane's coming she needs to go check on her dad Finds her dad holed up in the the old family house that he hasn't had the heart to sell yet, and uh, then it's gator time, baby, and that's that's it for the rest of the movie. Um, but it also reminded me of a different film called uh, Your Next, which is much more of a slasher film. Uh, where Crawl isn't really at all a slasher film; it's just kind of a scary big animal film. But in Your Next, it I went into it knowing nothing, and at first I was kind of bummed out because I'm like, this is just going to be people getting murdered systematically and it's not going to be anything interesting about it. But then what happens is the uh, murderers-to-be are a bit flummoxed when they encounter a competent person who knows what to do in dangerous situations. Not like some maniac with special skills or anything, like just somebody who like has some basic survival training. Wait, so is this just
1: like, it's like... I've always wanted to watch this movie, but I've never gotten around to it Oh, we need to watch it. It's great. But you make it... Is it just, like, Die Hard, but with a bunch of slasher-like tropes?
0: I wouldn't quite put it like that. But I can't say that you'd be wrong to put it like that, either.
1: (laughs) So my, um... I can't really... So basically, I've been... Nothing super has captured my attention the last couple of weeks. Um, But there were a couple of things... That I liked a little. That I'm going to talk about both of them, sort of the contrast, because I basically watched one episode of one and two episodes of the other, and they're thematically linked, so it's worth talking about them side by side. The first is I watched the first episode of Doom Patrol, hmm. um, which was pretty good. I talked about Umbrella Academy on this show before, yes, um, and how much I liked it. Doom Patrol is literally like the it, it shares like ninety percent of the DNA of Umbrella Academy. Um, although Umbrella Academy... I mean, what I'm trying to say is, the comic book that became the show Umbrella Academy was a deep homage to the comic book that became the show Doom Patrol, which was also called Doom Patrol, um, which was, like, a, a re Actually, a pretty early... It was a Silver Age comic about a bunch of weird, freakish... You know, I think it predates the X-Men by a couple of weeks, which is weird, what? because... Yeah, because it's also about a dude in a wheelchair who who assembles a bunch of horrific monster people, you know, together and tries to convince them to do superhero stuff because basically their lives don't matter anymore. They've been so horribly uh, deformed and scarred by the accidents that have made them freaks of nature. Um, It's actually very... Real positive message. Yeah, I mean, it's very... It's, like, basically part of the whole uh, joke of the original Doom Patrol is that they're all basically, like, 50s monsters. There's, like, Woman, who's, like, a either, like, can grow to 50 feet tall or turn into the blob, and there's the, uh, I can't remember his name, but basically there's a dude in bandages. Oh, Negative Man, who looks like Claude Rains, but can also, like, project an electric, you know, like, energy being out of his body. Astral Project is an electric energy being. And there's Robot Man, who it was always one of my favorite characters, but in the show is particularly great, because he he's played by, basically, Brendan Fraser was, like, a cocky, overcompetent '80s race car celebrity who was in a car crash, and they put his brain in a robot body, and so now he's just this big, sad robot walking around that has Brendan Fraser's voice. I like it. Yeah, I love that. Um, and Alan Tudyk's the bad guy, and I understand he's pretty good in it too. Although he was not in the first episode much. Oh, and their mentor, the guy, the chief, the guy in the wheelchair, is uh, uh, Timothy Dalton. Oh, nice. Also, a.k.a. James, like, the fourth James Bond, I think.
0: The, the, the most serious of the James Bonds, I and think. Before
1: Daniel Craig, he was definitely the most yes, serious yes. of the James Bonds. Um, and so I, it was interesting watching that show because I realized that, like, I never think about it, but it's super obvious when you put it in perspective that a lot of the DNA of, like, the Marvel style or the basically the s- sort of Silver Age reboot of comic books that really changed them from, like, the 40s, like, vaguely war patriotic anti uh you know all-american stuff was heavily inspired by like all of that 50s monster stuff like um because like i said the doom patrol that it's a lot of like science fi- like classic science fiction tropes and uh you can sort of see even famously like if you think about the fantastic four who were like the first marvel superheroes they're literally just like four astronauts who are in a terrible accident that turns yeah. them into freaks um one of whom is mutated and monstrously fucked up so badly that they just call him The Thing. And uh, and it's like, well, I guess now that I don't have a normal life anymore, I'll go fight crime because everything else is meaningless now.
0: Or as is canon, I'm going to start saying it's clobbering time based on the domestic abuse I received God, from my father. God, I fucking <laughs> hate that movie. How dare you mention that I've, in my presence? I've still never even seen the movie. I've I just... either, but
1: fuck Josh Trank. Just fuck him to death. It's clobbering time, sonny. Oh, I hate that so much. Anyway, so that's an interesting thing about that. Um, Oh, I should also mention, I've never read that, but the new Doom Patrol show takes a lot of its influence from the 80s comic Doom Patrol, which was one of the big Vertigo comics, one of Grant Morrison's breakout comics, and also heavily influenced by, like, the you know, the deconstructionist stylings of the time. It had a very pop deconstructionist sensibility that was, you know, if if Alan Moore was writing, like, the really dark and gritty, you know, deconstruction stuff, then mm-hmm. uh, Grant Morrison was doing, like, the fun David Bowie deconstruction stuff. Um, so that was good. Anyway, I've spent too long on that, so I'm mostly going to talk about that. But also, watch The Boys, which is another. Oh, that was, oh, Kyle, you're really cramming it in. All right, The Boys. <laughs> Just the first two episodes pretty good. We'll right. just leave it there. It's basically like what if the what if superheroes were real and what if the entire superhero establishment was basically a cross between like the NFL and the Catholic Church and the and like the corporate lobbying uh PR state. So like all of the worst abuses and scandals of all of those rolled into one. It's far frankly too believable. It's very disheartening. Oh. You know, like one of the main characters is basically like a rising star a female superhero who is like immediately like in the first episode just incredibly sexually uh, I don't even know the right word bad stuff happens to her and you know and basically constant attempts are made to take her entire identity away from her and rebrand her and it's just like this huge commentary about how celebrity tries to destroy women that it can't mold into the exact shape it wants them sounds like a hoot it's 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 an interesting the first two couple episodes were pretty okay
0: nice all right so overall four recommendations crawl your next doom patrol and the, I, boys. the boys Kyle yeah let's get competent so we don't get murdered as easily
1: I uh, excuse me I spent three hours today doing uh stick fighting yeah but handgun do, do you know like, the tramps and I don't need to set traps, well I guess if I were fighting an alligator I would need to set traps, wouldn't I? You're right, I do not know how to fight, I do not know how to fight a pack of alligators that have somehow learned to coordinate their movements.
0: What about a tiger? You, just you versus a tiger.
1: I will say animals are very hard to beat in hand-to-hand combat, you would want something to keep, you would want like a stick or a spear. Because they don't have any hands.